I'm Mike Breen, Public Awareness Officer for the American Mathematical Society, and I'm talking with Wesley Pegden, who is in the Department of Mathematics at Carnegie Mellon University, whose research is supported by the NSF, the National Science Foundation, and we're talking about sand piles. And so, Wes, you think of sand piles, you think of kindergarten or something like that, but this is really an amazing subject. Can you tell us you know, the general idea of it and, and the math that's involved? Yeah, so the the basic idea of the abelian sand pile is something like this. I mean, let's say you have an infinite chessboard. So you just have this big board with all these squares, and you have these little tokens, let's say chip. And maybe you just start off, you just have like some square that has a million chips on it, and every other square is empty. And the way the, the sand pile process works is that at any point, you can take any square that has at least four chips. So at the beginning, that's just this one square, and you can move one chip from that stack to each of the four neighboring squares. So that's why you wanted to have at least four chips there to do this. And if you keep doing this over and over again, uh, you'll eventually reach some configuration where every square has at most three chips, right? So you can't do this operation anymore. This is called toppling, where you take away these four chips and distribute them to the neighbors. And so th- there's a lot of different interesting things about this process. So one of the interesting things about this is that if you start from some large stack of chips and then do this toppling until you can't do it anymore, what you get is this crazy fractal configuration. So you know, that's one really interesting aspect of this. And, and sort of why that fractal happens is something that was very mysterious for a long time, and still we don't know everything about it. So uh, there's another completely different aspect to this, which is why physicists were originally interested in this procedure, which is that if I imagine that I start with this board and I'm adding these chips to some square you know, over and over again and then doing the toppings whenever I have at least four chips uh, at the square, then what I would see is that sometimes I would add a chip and nothing would happen because you know, there were already only zero, one, or two chips there, so I add the chip, and I still can't topple the square. Sometimes I'm going to add the chip, and it's going to cause this toppling, and it will, you know, maybe it's just one toppling, though. Sometimes I add the chip, and it causes a few topplings. Sometimes I'll add the chip, and it will cause an entire avalanche, a wave of topplings that will take a long time to resolve itself, because, you know, one thing topples, it makes some other things unstable, having at least four chips, and this can go on, and, and it can take a while to stabilize. Then the frequencies of these avalanches in the sand pile share some properties with the frequencies of some natural phenomena like earthquakes and actual avalanches and forest fires. So the, the, the idea is that like those events, large avalanches in the sand pile are, are rare and small avalanches are common. For example, with earthquakes, if I have these two plates of the earth that are sort of pushing up against each other, you'll have small earthquakes quite often and then you, you have large earthquakes much less often. So at the beginning, you mentioned abelian. If you think about doing that, your person might think definitely depends on how I add the chips, but the order isn't as important as you might think. That's right. So in the course of doing these toppling operations on the sand pile, at any point in the process, you may have multiple choices of what to topple next, right? So for example, if you currently have some configuration, maybe you have four different squares that all have at least four chips. And then you can topple any one of those that you want, and you can topple and keep going until you get to some final configuration that is stable. And it turns out that the choices that you make won't affect what configuration you end up with at the end. That's one reason we call it the abelian sand pile. The order of these topplings is is kind of irrelevant. So if you start from some configuration and then perform any allowed sequence of topples until you can't do it anymore, you always get the same thing. It only depended on that first configuration. And, and this is an example of what's called a self-organized critical system. If there were no topplings at all, like you said before, it's not very interesting. And if you have this massive avalanche, it's too chaotic. Uh, and so can you give us some insight into that term, self-organized critical system, and, and how the sand piles are one of those? Yes. Roughly, uh, the issue of self-organized criticality comes down to the fact that the sand pile, so if I imagine doing this thing where I'm adding chips 
to the board and just doing toppling operations whenever uh, something becomes unstable, the stamp pile automatically reaches a state where adding a new chip can do anything from producing uh, almost no effect, you know, maybe nothing toppled, to producing a large avalanche. And so this is connected to the fact that it's seen as this good model of these phenomena with earthquakes, forest fires, things like that, where large events happen uh, much more rarely than, than small events. So before the sand pile, there were other mathematical examples of models that had this property, that they had this distribution uh, of their large events and small events. But the sand pile was the first one that didn't require tuning of parameters. So this is the sense in which it was self-organized. Uh, if I start with the board and I start putting down chips, eventually I get to this regime where these avalanches are happening with this frequency that I see in nature. The sand or the chips seem to gravitate toward a system with an average height of a little over two chips or grains, right? Right. So suppose that I do the sand pile process, just starting with the large stack of chips at the origin, right? So at the end, I'm going to get to this fractal uh, picture, and that will have some average density. We don't actually know what that density is, like the density of that picture. We know it has to be at least two, and it's at most three. And I mean, and you could compute some numerical approximation of it, then you would get something closer to two than to three, but we don't know exactly what it is, actually. Now, I noticed on your website you have a lot of interactive features with the pile, with this phenomenon. Uh, would you like to talk about those a little? Yeah, so on the website, right now I just uh, have this done for four different lattices. So you could imagine doing the sand pile, I described it already on sort of an infinite, infinite checkerboard. So that's like having a square lattice. But you could do this process on other lattices also. So for example, if I had a triangular lattice, uh, so now every vertex has degree six. And what I would do is I would topple things once they had at least six chips. And, you know, then again, a chip would go to each of the lattice neighbors. And so for any lattice, I can you know, define the sample operation. And so on my website, I, I let you look at the result of stabilizing large stacks of chips on different lattices. And so right now I have this up just for uh, the square lattice, triangular lattice, the hexagonal lattice, and the trihexagonal lattice. So the trihexagonal lattice, this is the thing with, you know, both triangles and hexagons. In each case, you can zoom in on the pile, look at different regions. You can change how many chips you started with to see how the pile evolves as you increase the number of chips. Yeah, it's been a useful tool for me, actually, just in thinking about what I think is happening in the sand pile, uh, to be able to really look at some very high-resolution images of, of the result. For a person like me outside this research area, just having that simple rule at the beginning and then to get those kind of figures or shapes is pretty amazing. Yes, right. I mean, so there's this book that was, you know, famous or infamous, depending on your perspective, A New Kind of Science right, by Stephen Wolfram. And somehow the whole theme of that book, to some extent, was that simple rules produce complexity. And typically, you can't really explain why that somehow like the simple rules are the only explanation that you will get. And this is an example where that's not true. This is an example where there's a simple rule that produces some incredible complexity, right? There's this detailed fractal pattern. And we do actually have some sort of coherent mathematical explanation for what is controlling the pattern produced. And so in that sense, the abelian sample is very unique in terms of our mathematical understanding of it right now. So that's a sense in which it's really uh, an amazing example today. Because there are other rules that produce complicated patterns, but usually we just have not succeeded at saying anything rigorous about them. And here's one where we actually have. So, Wes, is there anything you'd like to add about the topic? I don't know. I think you did a good job covering it. <laughs> and, you know, are a lot of people active in the field? Is it uh, a hot research area? Oh, yeah. So people study all sorts of things about sand piles. So basically the perspective that, you know, my co-authors and I study the sand pile uh, from, uh, so my co-authors are Charles Smart and uh, Lionel Levine, 
So we mostly study the SAM problem from this perspective of the scaling limit of the process. So, the, you know, if I have n chips at the origin of the square lattice and then I look at the result of stabilizing them, suppose that I now take the limit as n goes to infinity. So, I'm, Or just imagine, like, looking at it, the result of a lot of chips. We want to say something about what that looks like. So this is our perspective. Basically, we want to explain the picture, right? That's basically what we want to do. There's all sorts of other things you can ask about the SAM pile, and people have done this a lot. So, for example, you can define something called the SAM pile group. The way you do this is you actually have a finite graph with a sink, and now you have some equivalence classes. So basically you say that two different configurations of chips on this graph are equivalent if you can change one into the other by toppling and untoppling vertices. And now uh, you're going to define a group by saying that you add two configurations just by adding the chips in the configurations. And this is the group where the elements are the equivalent classes of that equivalence relation I described. And this gives you an abelian group. So there's another you know, reason to call the sample abelian. And you can study these groups and try to ask questions about them. And that's a whole other area. So, I mean, the sample has attracted research of all different kinds. So in that sense, it's been a very rich topic. All right. So that's Wes Pegden, who is in the Department of Mathematics at Carnegie Mellon University. Wes, thanks very much. Oh, thanks so much for talking to me.